You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. It's just about you creating your own programs, you getting out there, connecting with other smaller groups and making a name for yourself. So, you know, I was speaking all over the place for about three years or four years, even before I was on the radar of all these larger conferences. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. My guest this week on the Portrait System Podcast is Scott Robert Lim. Scott has been a well-established photographer, speaker, and educator for over 20 years now, and we had such a cool chat. Scott was one of the speakers at our most recent Portrait Masters conference, and he's actually been a full-time educator for a while now. It's interesting, though, because he still does portrait shoots and weddings for learning purposes so that he can continue to create and teach others how he does it. There are a lot of photographers out there who are interested in becoming an educator, and Scott shares so much valuable information about not only what it takes, but how to make your way to the stage. If you're someone who has ever considered teaching or speaking about photography, this is definitely the episode for you. All right, let's get started with Scott Robert Lim. Hi, Scott. Welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? Hi, glad to be here. Hey, um, we got to see each other in person a couple weeks ago. I know. I'm. I can't remember the last time we kind of hugged and said hi and it's you know, been a while. Talked a bit. Yeah, it's <laughs> been a minute. But yeah, yeah, so glad to see you. Yeah, that was at the Portrait Masters Conference, Scott. You were um, one of our amazing speakers on the main stage, and it was awesome. You always bring such great energy. You know, that was my first time at uh, the Portrait Masters, and I absolutely yeah. loved it. Good. And, you know, it was a little bit daunting coming up after Sue, but <laughs> I just had to stay in my lane and be who I am and just yep. kind of go from there. But I think it worked out fine. It was awesome. Super. I had feedback. an awesome time, too. Yeah. It's funny because I think the first time I heard of you was at WPPI, my very first WPPI, and that was in 2012. So you've been speaking for much longer than that too, though, haven't you? Yeah. Um, you know, it took me a little while to even 
get onto the WPPI platform and all that kind of stuff. So I had to kind of pay my dues and, you know, work a few years before that. They're not asking me. I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm better than these other instructors. Please ask me, you know, going through all that stuff. Uh, But I I started actually teaching in 2003 on blog. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. so at the time, I wanted to really get into teaching, but of course, nobody's asking me. So I go, you know what? I'm going to just start online. And I was one of the first people to start teaching in 2003 on a blog, Zanga. Ah, interesting. And so that's kind of like how I started. And then before I know it, I had, you know, this this is way back in 2003, right? I had like a yeah. thousand people a day, you know, looking in and from all over the yeah. world. And in 2003, that's like, oh my gosh. Oh, for sure. All these people from China and everywhere, or Europe are, are coming in and commenting. I was just like, wow. I was just yeah. overwhelmed. I was in and felt so honored that people would want to, you know, read my blog. I mean, you were like one of the pioneers then of photography education. I think so. You know, in the modern era, era of course, like when the internet started, I was well, yeah, yeah probably that online. I guess I should say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So, okay, you had mentioned something about how you had to kind of like pay your dues first, and you know, you kind of have to have a business before you teach how to have a business or to be oh. a photographer. You know, no, am I, I agree. wrong on that? <laughs> well, you know what? It's like I uh, honestly feel that the best educators are the ones who've had a full-time business for a while, yeah. not just like, "Oh, I made it for one year. Now I'm going to start teaching." You know, yeah. like I think you have to have a few years under your belt where you're a full-time professional photographer mm-hmm. earning a living you know, with your photography and then going from there, because when you can earn, establish yourself and, you know, I, I always say like, if you've made at least a half a million dollars doing what you you do, Mm -hmm. then that kind of qualifies you into teaching photography because also there's a lot of content that you can teach on just establishing your business and yeah. if you don't have that portion, then you're, it's kind of like you're going to be a one trick pony. You're going to teach yep. what you're famous for. And then, you know, you're going to go by the wayside. So to have longevity, and I've been doing this for a couple of decades or so, you have to be well rounded as a photographer and also mm-hmm. have a thriving business or else, you know, you might not be in business. <laughs> for yeah, a while. totally. And then I've, you're yeah. out of the picture. I feel like we're really in tune because when we were kind of chatting about, you know, what we were going to talk about, I mean, you could literally talk about anything, but I was, I was thinking like this, it might be good to talk about, you know, for people who are interested in becoming an an instructor, maybe not right now, but down the road or for people right now. I mean, because I feel like, you know, when you've been a successful photographer for so long, sometimes you want to change things up. And one way that you can change things up is to become an educator. So I was like, huh, we haven't really talked about that much. Like, would you be interested? And you were like, well, as a matter of fact, I've been toying around with like maybe doing a workshop about that. So that's perfect. And then yeah. what you just said. So I literally, we just sent out an email on the Portrait Masters email list 
I've kind of do, I'm like sending out like tips and tricks and things like that through the email list. And I literally just sent one out. What's today? Uh, let's see. Today's okay. A couple days 25th. ago. So like September 25th, no, tw- the 23rd, no, 24th, September, yesterday. Ooh, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. And it was talking about my 300 square foot studio that I had and then some social media stuff. But and in it, I say that I made $500,000 in three and a half years <laughs> in, in my 300 square foot studio. So as soon as you said, if you make $500,000, I'm like, well, good, I qualify. <laughs> Here I am educating. So, you know, but that's funny that you just said that. And literally yesterday, I just an email went out to the portrait master's list. and I had talked about that. So that's funny. Wow. Yeah. We're totally in sync here. Totally. Okay. So, but before we get into just being an instructor and like what it takes and what you do and how to get there, what was your business like before, you know, before you even started teaching? Yeah. Well, I'm from California and really there's very limited ways to make money in California with your photography. And at the time, it was mostly wedding photography. Everybody in California is a transplant. And so family photography and stuff like that just doesn't exist because your family's not even here. <laughs> you know, it's like your family's in another country or it's just different states. And a little so bit harder, a, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of transients in California. Well, I'm, that, I'm assuming though different, it's probably different from city to city. You yeah, know, like I feel like some of the northern towns, like California, it's a smaller town or whatever, you know, I don't know. Sacramento or more rural yeah. places, you probably can establish some things. Uh, but in general, like if you're talking Los Angeles area and San Francisco right. area where there's a lot of people, generally it was mostly wedding photography at the time. We're talking yeah. 20 years ago too. Right. Um, of course, Soup Rice changed all that and see before Sue Bryce you know what the, the <laughs> being a wedding photographer was like oh the thing to be you know yeah and yep. Uh, so that was the the hot thing to be as a wedding photographer so that's how I started um and as I I learned everything from there because with wedding photography you have to kind of do it all very quickly yeah. too and yeah. I just kind of learned my methods from that. It was a great training ground to go into other things. It's so true because you are, you're photographing families. You mm-hmm. are like, I've said this before. I hope I don't sound like a broken record on this podcast, but I mean, you have to be on the fly. Like you have to be lighting in all situations. I mean, you can walk into some like super badly, horribly lit reception or hotel room. Like I remember days and I'm walking in, I'm like, here we go. Like, (laughs) you know, you just, but you have to know what to do. I mean, you're posing groups, you're posing couples, you're posing individuals, you're doing candids. Like it is a great education to be a wedding photographer. It, it definitely is. And I, I just, you know, some people like are afraid to tell people that they were a wedding photographer, but actually I feel like wedding photographers are some of the best photographers in the world because of just yeah. the training and we have to just learn how to do everything and deal psychologically with oh my gosh. You know, the bride yes. and the mother-in-laws and the coordinators uh-huh. and ah, that juggle part, all that the timeline, aspect. Yeah. The timeline and the weather. And when you're like, oh, I get three and a half minutes to do couples portraits and it's raining outside. Like, awesome. Exactly. You know, it's... It's not for the faint at heart. <laughs> no. Oh, man. I, ma- I make it sound so bad. Like, it's, I, you know, I enjoyed it for a while. It wasn't like, you know, and there are people out there who truly love it. But 
So is it something that you felt like you absolutely like loved and did for a long time or what, you know, how did you kind of progress into your business? Yeah. So I shot my first wedding around 2000. And from that, when I shot that first wedding, I go finally, and I was around 38 years old or so. Okay. And I had been searching and searching to, you know, hang my hat on something. And then when I shot that first wedding, it's like, boom, my life exploded on me because I finally, for the first time ever, I felt this is where my skill set is. This is what I could do. And Mm. this is where I can make a career out of this. And it was just life changing on that first wedding. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So like from there, are you, are you someone who was doing like, you know, 30 weddings a year and just like constant? I mean, I guess in California, it's not quite as seasonal for weddings as it is where I'm in, you know, in Michigan or in Seattle where I started shooting. Like, how did how did all that work? Yeah, I mean, generally, I think for, you know, I would say good eight months out of the year, you're shooting weddings, it might slow yeah. down a little bit, you know, in the winter months, but you still might get one once a month. But yeah, I was full-time weddings, you know, shooting anywhere from, you know, 20 to 40 weddings a year and just yeah. going at it for a long time for, you know, a good five, seven years uh, consistently. And then I started transitioning myself into teaching. Yeah. And here's here's what people don't really tell you about teaching. I remember this, this story. I was trying to do both, right? I was trying to do my wedding photography, which took up a ton of time and Mm -hmm. then trying to put your curriculum together for your teaching and kind of put your teaching concepts down and work through them. That also takes a ton of time too, if you Mm -hmm. want to do it well. And it's like, you can't do both. And so there came a certain point in my career where I literally had to choose whether I was going to kind of continue with my wedding photography, which provided all my income or switch over. And because here's the one thing, when you go into teaching, you got to be available for all the dates somebody asks you to teach. And if you have a wedding booked every single one of those weekends, somebody asks you to teach, sometimes they'll never ask you again, especially when you're, you know, first starting out. So you have to kind of clear all those dates. And Mm, then another really good point. Yeah, and here's another thing I remember specifically talking to my wife and I said, listen, I've done wedding photography for a while. I've, I've been really doing well with it, but I really go want to go into teaching. However, I may lose about $80,000 next year. <laughs> P.S., honey. <laughs> yes. By the way, um, I'm not going to be making as much money. And like, you know what? I have a great wife. And she goes, you know what? I'm glad you decided because you've just been a pain in the butt all these times. You know, you're you're very short with the kids. You're like always grumpy. You're like, you know, because yeah. I'm trying to do too much. And she just wanted me sane, you know? Yeah, and totally. And it's like, that totally. was worth more than the money. And you know what? We we found a way to make it work. And fortunately, I didn't really see a drop in my income and just kind of went off from there. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's I always think about this because I, I, I do mostly personal branding with some high school seniors, and I do personal branding mostly in studio, some on location. 
But one of the reasons I left weddings is because of the weekend, the weekend and evening thing. You know, um, I have two, I had two babies at shooting, you know, well, okay. After I had my first baby was when I decided I am D-O-N-E done with weddings. But there's something about like portrait photography that really can open your world to doing other things as well, because it's not meaning education and teaching because it's not weekends. I don't have, I don't, I don't ever have to work a weekend doing a shoot if I don't want to, you know? So, so there's that element of it too. That's true. However, yeah. if you were to speak at camera stores and events. Okay. Yeah. So and yes. conferences, a yeah. lot of times it is over the weekend. Um, yeah. But you know, I always tell people, it's like, you know what? My schedule is like a, a fireman. Yeah. Right. Where you're kind of like four on three off type of feeling. And so it would be generally every other week I'm traveling somewhere for a few days. Okay. But the rest of the time I'm home, you know, I've been to every single volleyball game of my daughter, you know, cross country match with my other daughter. And I'm like, I would tell my wife, I'm like, look at there's not very many times where you see both parents there at the games watching mm-hmm. their kid. And we were able to do that and spend yeah. time during those times. Although, you know, I did miss some birthdays and stuff like that on the weekend. But uh, yeah. you've yeah. got your choices and sacrifices. It's such a balance. It's such a balance. And I want to, okay, one one more quick thing. Sorry, I keep bringing it back to sure. me. One more quick thing. And then I want to hear about so much of what you just said. But the, at the Portrait Masters Conference, I actually left a day early because the Portrait Masters Conference has always been Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I would take the red eye home Wednesday night. And then we always, my family, annual family camping trip, all my aunts, uncles, cousins, we have an absolute blast. It's one of my favorite times of the year. We all camp together and it always butts up to the um, Portrait Masters conference dates. Well, this year it was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we already had the RV, we had everything booked starting Thursday. And I was like, sorry, sorry, peeps. I love y'all, but I got to go. Like I have my family, mm. I have my family camping trip. I got to get to, you know, so I was able to be there. I got there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, flew home Wednesday. So I got to do the gist of it, but it's, it is, it's a balance. And you're always picking and choosing like what, you know, what you got to do in that moment. I had to leave a day early too. I didn't want to, but I had to leave a day early from the Portrait Masters too because I had another family event where I was taking my daughter to college and they had the family weekend thing. And so, yeah, it just happens sometimes. Yeah. Especially if you have a family. See, that's that's the thing. You could slay it if you're single, right? Here's right. what I always say. It's like, okay, you're single. You got a hundred percent of your time in extra. You could go 110%. I mean, you could work yeah. 80 hours, a hundred hours a week and you're fine. Then you're in a, a relationship. There goes 50% of your time. Then you have kids, cut yeah. that in half, have another kid, cut that in half again. And so, wow, you really yeah, got to be intense. efficient with your business and balance everything out mm. um, going Speaking forward, my language. Especially, if you, if, especially if you want to start a family. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to remember that. And that's a big learning curve. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, in, okay. So you said a couple, one thing that really jumped out at me that you said was, you know, if you want to speak at camera stores and um, what did you say? You said camera stores and something else, but it never events. occurred to me like, okay. Yeah. Events. That's Inventions. what I meant. Yes. Yeah. And I've always, thought about speaking at like, you know, I've spoken at WPPI. I got to speak in New Zealand. It ends at IPP and Portrait Masters, but that's pretty much it. Like I've never 
jumped into some of these other avenues for for teaching. So I'm curious, like, can you kind of lay out all of the different teaching opportunities? And then from there, we can talk about how people get into it. But that's a good question. Yeah, because, you know, when you first start in it, of course, you want to speak speak at the big conferences like WPPI and Imaging USA. And then you, let's say you happen to get a chance to speak at those, then you go realize, well, if I'm going to do this for a living, it's not like they pay you $100,000 to speak at. No, (laughs) no, no. Let's say we don't get paid a whole... We're talking one hundredth of that when you start out or even less maybe or free even. So you go, okay, if I'm doing this for a living, wait a second, I got to fill up my schedule. I just can't have these two events. And so that's what I did is I filled it up with actually one... Do your own events. I think that's the the first thing. Well, you got to develop a following first and then start doing your own events and filling up your schedule. And then from there, you can reach out to, you know, there's a whole ton of things. Yeah. There's camera stores out there. There's uh, professional photography organizations, right? And I oh, started yes, off like that PPA, way. Um, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I've done right. a couple and of even, those here in Michigan. Forgot about that. Yeah. And even online, they have larger events and they have meetup groups. I mean, right now, there are so many. I mean, before when I started, there was nothing. But now there are so many groups out there. And they're kind of looking for instruction, too. And just actually even, I probably the most popular of kind of workshops you could do is just basic photography. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's where the base of the people are. When you're going to try to teach professionals, kind of like the portrait masters, like you're gleaning from the top, you know, (laughs) one, two percent in the country. And that's kind of hard to fill up a workshop or a convention from those who are professional photographers, because actually that's the very top and there's less people there. So you got to start down lower where the base of people are, which are mostly hobbyists. And Mm -hmm. then kind of what I do is I kind of teach on a broader sense and then kind of funnel up and creating a sales funnel basically. Um, I love but that. starting at that bottom. I love how you said that, like building up a funnel. But something you, you said before that was you have to kind of build a following. But something that I noticed, Scott, that, and I'm guilty of this. I did this at the beginning when I first started too, and I don't know why. I think I was just watching my favorite photographers speak to other photographers. So I remember like writing a blog on my like camera strap or like my whatever. And it's like, who was I, why was I trying to talk to other photographers at that time? Like I think sometimes newer photographers will talk to other photographers when they should be speaking to clients. And I think I heard Sue say that, like, stop talking to other photographers. And I was like, oh, shoot, I am doing that. And as soon as I, I don't like, this was like in my like first year, I'm not even kidding. I don't know why I was doing that. And then as soon as I switched over to only speaking to my clients and marketing to my clients and whatever, my business, like I really, like my business really started blowing up more so. But like, when do you start to make that transition, I guess, from speaking to your clients to speaking to other photographers? Or can you do both? Well, that's where the half a million dollars comes into play. It's kind of like when I feel like, yeah, you've established your business, then you can kind of give to other photographers because you've been there and done that. But if you haven't, 
done that yet, I kind of feel like, well, then maybe you should come down a level and just kind of teach beginning photography and things like that to hobbyists and things like that. For sure. Okay. You know, I'm like doing a dance with both things because I still have a a photography business that it's not, you know, I'm doing like half the time that I, than I, what I used to, you know, I do like three shoots a month or whatever. And I used to do eight to 10. So, so I'm still speaking to clients, but I also, I am an educator and a teacher and I do the podcast and all of that. So I'm always trying to like keep the attention of everyone. <laughs> like yeah. I don't want my clients to get super annoyed if I'm only talking to photographers, but I don't want photographers to get annoyed if I'm only talking to clients. Although photographers can learn a lot by watching a f- successful photographer speak to their clients. So I don't know. Yeah, I, kind of a so you're kind of in that space where I was, where I kind of made a decision on going one way and really getting into it. Yeah. But you, there might be people out there that love still doing both or just, you know, you have a certain guaranteed income just staying with your business. But I, you know, but for me, I really had a passion towards teaching. And for me personally, like that was my giftedness. I mean, I have more of a passion for educating than I do for photography. I mean, to me, the only reason why I want to take an amazing picture is to teach that concept. Yeah. So it's not about me winning the award now or doing this now. It's like, I want to take a great picture. And so I can teach that concept to other photographers. Oh, I like my, that. My passion yeah. is the teaching and not necessarily mm. the photography. Got it. Got it. But I'm that's me. And everybody yeah. has to figure yeah. out where, you know, there's so many hats that we wear yes. and where that is. But for totally. me, I knew that was it. That was like totally. this is what I want to do. Yeah. How does someone even get started? Like if if you Obviously, you can submit. So, for example, WPPI, which is going to be WPPI and the Portrait Masters next year for the conference. We're going to be having events for both. It's going to be incredible. Of course, you can apply. But what if, like, they say no or, you know, like, is it better yeah. to start somewhere smaller and yeah, then build your way up? Don't count on that, actually. Because it yeah. took me yeah. several years to crack the code and actually get in. Yeah. And you can submit every year. Right. But that's not the end all be all really. And it's just Mm -hmm. about you creating your own programs, you getting out there, connecting with other smaller groups and making a name for yourself. So, you know, I was speaking all over the place for about three years or four years, even before I was on the radar of all these larger conferences. In fact, I was more, I was accepted in Canada first, you know, and their professional oh, yeah. photography yeah. organizations organizations before I got accepted in America. So I love How the Canadians. <laughs> yeah, you're like, go Canada. Yeah. <laughs> no, Canada, they really accepted me and, and put me in front of a lot of their kind of more national organizations and um, conferences. And then from there, I kind of worked my I way in. Yeah. But uh, you got to do That probably gave lot. you the street cred that you needed yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, you got to you gotta just, it's not going to happen overnight. And I always have this saying, it's like, you know, it takes you 10 years of hard work to be an overnight success. Right. <laughs> right. It, it's like, 
Yeah, it can happen overnight, but you have to be ready to step through that door when you get that opportunity. Just like when I was asked to speak on Creative Live way back in, what, 2013? Mm -hmm. But for three years, I was speaking every other week on the material that I presented at Creative Live. So when I went on Creative Live, I mean, every, I knew every sentence I was going to say. I knew every sentence that was going to get a laugh. You know, I Mm -hmm. knew what resonated with the people because I had been practicing that program for three years before I got that opportunity. Mm, And so you don't want to go on the big stage and say WPPI and totally screw up and not, and this is the first time I'm presenting this material, this lecture, you know, on the biggest stage. You don't want to do that. So that's why you got to put your work in and just teach wherever you can. And even if it's for free, you got to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you just got to practice, practice, practice. Yeah. It's almost like, I know I did multiple free shoots. I still do sometimes just for fun and just to be creative to build my portfolio. It's like, you kind of have to build your speaking portfolio. You know, sometimes that means doing it for free. You have to galvanize your concepts too. And you just can't regurgitate things other people have said. Uh, You have to come up with your own philosophies, your own style, your own Mm -hmm. signature style, the way you do things, the way you do your business. And Mm -hmm. because everybody's unique out there and you kind of have to find your lane, Yes, you know, just not spit out stuff that everybody else is spitting out. Yep. I love that. So when did you become a Sony artisan? Like, was that, I mean, basically an ambassador for Sony. Like, was that prior to starting all these speaking things or after? It was kind of concurrently. It was probably around 2010, 2009. And at that time, I mean, you were a joke if you used Sony as a professional. People laughed at you. But really, um, yeah, and so I'm, I was so, I'm not my- a techie, so I'm like sweet. So like, I have no idea. I'm just so like la la la. I use what works and what I like. You know, it's ridiculous to me that someone's gonna like. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, People that's like, another oh. thing. Is like brands. <laughs> like if you're associated with certain brands, they can kind of help you get jobs too and opportunities. Yes. And so in my mind, I wanted to be a master educator and regarded as one of the top in the world, right? So I go, I got to have a camera brand behind me. I'm just this little old person, you know, doing my thing. And I go, well, let's see at the time. I mean, we're talking, you know, 15 years ago, right? Nikon was there and Canon was there and that was it. And so if I was going to try to be a Nikon ambassador or a Canon ambassador, you know, I was way, way, way down low on the list. They don't even know who I am. So how am I going to break yeah. through that? Right. And so right. here was Sony that I had met speaking at the Texas school, which is a huge convention every year. And I had met Sony and they were dying to like have ambassadors. And I go, here's my moment. I'm going with Sony. I had read some articles about mirrorless and I love their direction and and love what they bring in and they have a big name. I'm going to go for it, even though people are laughing at me right now using it. But this is a camera brand that's accepting me Mm. and I can go from there. And maybe if it doesn't work out with Sony, at least I could use that as a launching pad to go to another brand. And now look at Sony. 
<laughs> I know. And so like, <laughs> hey, man, I, I hit it. I hit the lottery with that one. And uh, I mean, if you would have told me, honestly, like 20 years ago, Scott, you're going to be helping design the cameras of today, I would have oh said, my gosh. you're kidding, right? How cool is that? Uh, yeah, just, you know, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like they engineers yeah. actually want my input, right? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, I, I just can't believe how far you can go just putting one foot in front of the other and staying with it you'll be amazed on how far you know you can go with your photography and the industry it's incredible but yeah that's been a blessing so you know of course being aligned with sony and then sony you know sells their gear at camera stores and so if you reach a certain levels of course sony is going to ask me to speak at different camera stores because I, I use there. And so that's another avenue to book events and gigs and things like that. But that's, yeah. I mean, again, like there's only around 30 artisans in the entire country. So if you think of all the photographers yeah. in the world and then you're I mean, like top 30, that's really hard to do. But what I always say is you get mentored, right? So I've actually... Yeah pushed through a couple artisans that I've mentored because I just dropped their name to the the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's the value. That networking of, piece. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the value of being mentored by somebody who's at a higher level than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can open doors. I can open doors for people that have taken me literally a decade to open and I can just flip them on to my mentorees immediately. Right. See? That's the power. You earn, you earn of mentorship. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. So I don't care how much money you pay, like towards a coaching program or a mentoring program, if that person is very influential and you like their style and everything, because they could turn it around and open all these doors for you that would take you a decade. Oh, yeah. For sure. And, and I don't want people to think that they can, you know, they only should be looking for. Uh, partnerships or whatever with these the big name camera brands like there are so yeah. many other like go to these conferences go to the trade shows like yes. start talking to the people behind the the desk there you know behind the table and if it's a product that you I sincerely did. truly love you know what I started know? with here's how I started of course you can't just like walk into the Sony booth and say hey I want to be yeah. ambassador oh sure right. yes no what do that's I have not to do to happen. become a yeah yeah that's a one in a million chance. So what I did was I started with the album companies and I started with something that they need. They always need imagery, right? And I had Mm. won several multiple, multiple awards with my imagery through WPPI and and whatever. And so I knew that my imagery was at a certain level. I just offered my, hey, do you guys need any imagery for your albums or whatever? Here, go ahead and use whatever you want. Very and smart. that's how I got in. And some of my first sponsorships were through like uh, printing and album companies. And that's a very, to me, low hanging fruit because they're always mm-hmm. looking for photographers. And, and, and the worst case scenario is like, hey, you might get a free album out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your work will get, you know, be out there. Someone might notice it or, you know. So I started yeah. there with vendors and then kind of worked my way up and, you know, smaller companies. And then, you know, I was just uh, 
you know, so I work with different lighting companies too. And I was just walking around and, you know, of course, the portrait masters, Godox was there. And so they pulled me aside. They already knew who I was, right? I'm oh, like, see? Godox cool. is probably the number one flash company in the world. And then they, they wanted yeah. to stop and talk to me. Uh, you just never know, but it's got to nice. start somewhere. You can't start. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I want to tell people because they're always like, oh, how do you become a Sony artist? And, and it's like, I don't want to say good luck, my friend. It's going to be nearly impossible. <laughs> but, you know, you got to start low and go to these. There's hundreds of other vendors. And the best place mm-hmm. to meet them are, like you said, are it's like at these conventions. Because yep. a lot of times they send networking. Their top people or they yep. send the CEO or the, you know, business owner of that lighting manufacturing company and you're directly talking to the owner. Whereas if you mm-hmm. were to try to email them, there's no way they're going to even answer your email. But if you get a face to face with them, I made so, that's why I go to everything. It's like people ask me, Oh, are you going to go to this? You're going to go to that? I go, yeah, I go every year. And I go to mm-hmm. network and I go to meet other vendors and try to, you know, make myself available, introduce myself because they can help me get other events. Yep. Yep. Okay. Let's shift gears. You know, you had said that you know, the first time you did like a, you know, a big online course or whatever, you had perfected it. You know, you'd practice it, you'd done it. Like, and I know you've been on countless stages and done countless presentations since then, but what's the recipe for you for a really good one? Like, I've sat through a lot and some are really great and some I'm like, you know, yeah. like what, what are like the elements there that you would suggest to people that they have really have to include and maybe some things to stay away from? I think the first thing is, is that that concept that you're teaching has to ring true to you and it has to be successful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just regurgitate like things that they've heard and it's not, they don't live that technique. And so for yeah. me, I live it, I use it. And if it doesn't work for me, then I'm not going to present it on stage. And so that comes into practicing, getting out there, using it. So one, you have to have techniques that, you own and that you do and that you have a particular way to do it that's different than other people and it helps you arrive to the solution a lot easier or a different way of thinking. And so Mm -hmm. I know for a fact, like my giftedness is to take something complicated like flash photography on location and bring Mm -hmm. it down to a A, B, C or a one, two, three steps and boom, there it is. So I know that's that that's best. what my giftedness is because I'm not, mm-hmm. a, I feel like I'm not like a genius. I have to figure things out and make things simple for me to use it in the real world. So that that's, I know my lane, right? And then mm-hmm. on top of that, you have to have passion and enthusiasm about what you're teaching on stage. Which you do. It's and very yeah, obvious on stage. <laughs> I love right. it. And and so like, you know, I would like do these presentations and sometimes I literally would like when I do a WPPI presentation for example, there would be people standing in line waiting maybe 45 minutes to talk to me, right? And which is insane. I I just like wow. And then I would always ask them, well, then why did you like what did you like about my presentation? And a lot of times they just say, "Man, I love your passion." 
And Mm -hmm. I would hear that more often than not. And so if you can get excited about a teaching concept or whatever, other people can Mm -hmm. be excited about it too. And they can see that. And so I think that's part of it. The third element is, I think I have ADD and it's hard (laughs) for me to concentrate on things. And because of that, my presentations are kind of sped up and I got a lot of things going and that helps to keep it moving and not stagnant in one area and adding a little bit of humor in there with Mm -hmm. your presentation goes a long ways because you are an entertainer too. So that's what I I feel like. When you're on stage, you're an entertainer. And whether you're going to entertain by content or jokes or different concepts or a new idea, but you're still an entertainer. And so Mm -hmm. you got to remember that. And if you can add some levity and just get people to laugh and enjoy life, uh, that's huge. That's exactly right. It's interesting because when I think about how I do these podcasts, I mean, I know I'm not like up on stage speaking, but you know, it's a form of education. And I would, the three things I always try to achieve, it's kind of exactly what you said. It's entertaining, inspiring, Mm -hmm. and educating. Like that's what I'm trying to pull out of my guests that I have. You know, you're teaching something, you're entertaining a little bit, and you are inspiring people. And it's, it seems like it's, I mean, it's a pretty awesome recipe. Yeah, it works. And I think a lot of people, I don't know, they just so excited about teaching that they don't develop their own kind of style first or, yeah, you know, or just have enough experience speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got to do it over and over and over. So when you do get the big break at WPPI or whatever, or the Portrait Masters, that you're going to go on there and kill it. Yeah, yeah. And even if you're making a mistake, learn how to get out of it while you're teaching it on stage. <laughs> yeah, or maybe like own it too. I know if I mess own up, it. I'm like, yeah. so I just messed up. <laughs> like totally just messed that one up. Let that me try sucks. that again or whatever, you know. Because <laughs> then it's yeah. like, if you own it, they can't come back and say like, oh, Nikki, like totally fucked up. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, just be yourself. And I think that's like the the thing about practicing it is practice, 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 because you're going to kind of eliminate the mess ups when they do come. But if they do come, yeah. you're so skilled that you know how to work around it and mm-hmm. move forward with it. Mm-hmm. So experiences. So just get out there and start doing it. Even if it's in front of two people, whatever, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? You're just practicing and developing your craft. Yeah. And so now, so you have a, your full-time business is teaching, educating, like the whole speaking circuit. Yeah. I even, I even turned my weddings into workshops. No way. uh, Yeah. So I'll get asked. My own wedding. So I'll get asked to shoot a wedding, Right. And Uh what I'll do is I'll give them a great price. And then I'll say, will you allow me to bring a couple assistants on and and so far? Sure, bring as many people as you want. And so then I will probably limit it to two or three people. And I say, how would you like to shoot a real wedding with me? And you will see like how I do it, how I talk to the people, all that kind of stuff. You could even use the imagery for your own portfolio. At my wedding. Mm. 
And actually, if Mark. they even press me, and let's say we only have like three minutes to shoot the bride and groom, and they say, Scott, I didn't get that angle or whatever, I will give them my imagery and say, here, go ahead, just use it in your own portfolio if you need it. <laughs> yeah. I don't and care. And so then they are paying you to be yes. part of shooting this wedding. Yes. So everybody Mark. wins. So yeah. the client wins because they're getting a reduced price. My yeah. And then that's what I always wanted and nobody would do. I mean, like when I was first starting out, it's like, I wish I could shoot with some of the top wedding photographers in the world. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And so now I make it available for people to do that. And I'll usually reach out individually to people or I'll be at another workshop where I meet them and I feel that it's a good fit. Then I'll kind of like personal, yeah. it's kind of like a personal invitation because I just can't bring anybody to these Wendy's weddings that I don't know. Right. So, but I even turned that into a learning experience for people. Yeah. That's great. And I, I hate being say, Oh, I teach wedding photography, but don't shoot weddings. Like, I don't want to be one of those. So I've always, so I shoot maybe, I don't know, four to six weddings a year still, but it's not yeah. my main business. Right. That's a really, really, really smart thing to do. And, you know, I think once you reach a certain level, like I, I get people who ask me, like, can I come help you in your studio? Can I assist you during a shoot? And I always, you know, mostly I say no, because I'm like, gosh, this is my you know, it's kind of a more of an intimate one-on-one shoot. And I can't be teaching while I'm with my client. Like I have two different hats going, you know, yeah. I don't know. But but just it, observing I mean, you is a learning experience in itself. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. And they can and, assist and, you and just observe you, which people would like even how to set up yeah. the lighting or whatever. And you can always have a recap afterwards. Right, right, right. And so that's what yeah. I do. It's like, hey, listen, don't really ask me while I'm talking to the bride a question. Like we can talk right. about it during downtime or the next day or at dinner afterwards or something like yeah. that. But not, I'm, I'm, I'm in my zone. Like, don't bother yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Help me. Don't bother me. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it does. It takes a certain amount of energy in addition to shooting, because like I am giving mm-hmm. my all to my clients, just like I know you, yes. do, you know, and so it does when you're teaching someone else in the meantime and someone's there watching like and then you're recapping and all that. I never thought to charge for that. Like that's kind of smart. Like for, I'm just thinking for people out there who have others saying, hey, can I come watch you or assist you or whatever? Like right. maybe there, maybe there's something to that and letting the client know just like you did, like, hey, I'm going to reduce your price a little bit if you allow my student to come in well, you don't and then even you have charge to do the that. student. You don't even have to reduce your price if you don't want to because they I don't know. I thought you said you, that's what you did. I, that you gave I them do a good that. price or something. I do that okay. because yeah, yeah. like, but you don't have to <laughs> right? if you yeah, don't want true. to, but I do it. Yeah, yeah. Then it's kind of a win-win where you're getting compensated. Not that I don't like yeah. giving people, you know, I'm an open book for sure, but there's only so much you can do without being compensated before it starts to like wear on you, you know? Here's a good point that I tell people just getting started. Like, let's say you're getting really good at something. Mm. And then mm-hmm. people are going to be constantly asking you, how to do this? Yeah. What did you do that? What is it? And then I say, hey, just develop a workshop. And so you're not saying no to them, but you point them to that. So when they ask you, oh, how to do this? Just go, mm-hmm. hey, sign up at my workshop. That's next yep. month. Right. And so that way you don't feel like people are taking advantage of you and you're just giving this free information that you've been developing over the last five, six, 10 years. And 
is like for you just to hand it over. That's like handing over all your secrets to your business, right? Now, yeah, if you're going to pay yeah. me for it, uh, then uh, hey, I can kind of live with that because you are telling you know your trade secrets that you've developed over mm-hmm. years and years and years. That's worth something. You just like don't yeah. throw that out there to anybody. Yeah. Uh, so I always say have a workshop available or or workshops that you can just send people to if they do ask those types of questions. Yep, smart, smart. And so that way you're monetizing on the audience that's being attracted to you. You're just kind of funneling them up to another type of uh, revenue stream that you've created. I love it. It's all part it. of the funnel. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been super helpful, Scott. Thank you. It's it's not really something we've we've talked too much about. And I know there are a lot of people who are ready to kind of take that step. So I'm glad we covered it all. Appreciate it. But I do have questions that I always ask at the end of each episode too. So you're not off the hook yet. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. So, all right. Question number one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Besides your camera, besides your Sony. Oh, uh, definitely lighting. You know, yeah. any type of lighting and then also an apparatus to diffuse that lighting if I want to create soft lighting, which is usually just a simple shoot-through umbrella. So some sort of lighting and some sort of diffuser all the time, everything, because I'm very a stickler. If I don't see catch lights in those eyes, I ain't taking <laughs> a picture. Or if the quality of light is not good enough for me, I don't even take the picture. So I yeah. need to, if I can't find the light on location, then I need to create it. And that's just a necessity for me. Is there a brand, certain brand of lights that you use or do you use a variety? Um, yeah, I well, now I'm mostly going to constant light. And so I use the mm. Stella Reflex lights, which I absolutely love because they're super strong, constant lights. So okay. I use that, but uh, I'll use a flash once in a while because, of course, they're not super, super strong like a flash. And so I generally mm-hmm. use a Godox flash because they're very inexpensive. And if you lose them, no big deal. So Fantastic. those are kind of like what I use. Cool. All right. Number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? Oh, man. I mean, it's basically all to my family because, as you know, this business is pretty crazy. I am literally like every other week traveling somewhere around the world. And so when I do come home, um, concentrate on my family. And so mm-hmm. that's important to me. And if you don't put time towards what's important to me, you're going to lose it. And especially with the crazy schedules that you have as a photographer, traveling and all that kind of stuff. So basically, it's like my work, my family, and then every once in a while, you know, going out with friends here and there. But uh, yeah. basically, that's kind of like my life right now. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you just nailed it in a nutshell for me as well. <laughs> I love it. All right, number three is what is a? Phot- I know you just said your um your lighting, but what is a, a a product? Maybe in addition to like not not necessarily a camera lens or lighting, whatever. Any sort of like product that you would recommend that Ooh, you know yeah. you might not think of right one. away. I got awesome. one. It's called the Cheetah Stand. Okay, and what a cheetah stand does, and I people ask me about these stands all the time. And in fact, I had them on stage with me at the Portrait Masters too. It's a stand where when you lift it up, the legs automatically fold in. 
oh, I know this stand and it is amazing. Yeah. Yes. And so if you're a wedding photographer and you're trying to go through tables and trying to fit through narrow areas and you're constantly on the go, when that stand, the legs come in automatically, it's a smaller uh-huh. footprint. You can sneak through things. You could use it as a monopod too because the legs come in. Mm-hmm. I cannot leave home without that cheetah stand. It's a genius design. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think I could get people a discount too. <laughs> oh, sweet. All you have to do is go to my LinkedIn page, which is scottrobertstudio.com. And then you have all my links. And then I think there's a special link oh, there. You perfect. can get a discount on the stands. Fantastic. I need one. So I'm glad you said that. I'm going to get one. Get myself one. And even the Stella Lights, I think you can get a discount through there too. But yeah, she oh, just stands are great. Awesome. Very cool. Okay, uh, number four is what would you tell people who are just starting out? And I know you covered this a little bit, but if you could sum it up. I think there's a few things. One, I feel like get a mentor because Mm -hmm. with the style that you, you let's say you're a portrait photographer, don't have a landscape photographer as your mentor. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it has to, first of all, like, okay, find a mentor, but a mentor whose photography that you kind of respect and admire and also, they've made at least a half, at least a half a million dollars <laughs> profit, not gross, but profit in their business. And that will take you further because I've, I've mentored several photographers and there's things that I tell a photographer that have taken me decades to learn or I've yeah. wasted so much money, thousands and tens of thousands of dollars doing something a certain way and say, don't do that, do this because it's going to save you thousands of dollars, you know? So there's even an equipment in buying that. So there's so many things that a mentor can do for you and give you the shortcuts to your craft. That that's the one thing that I highly recommend. Love it. Perfect. Awesome. So scottrobertstudio.com. That's where everyone can find all the things that you have, that you offer, all your things, right? Yes, Instagram links, all that kind of stuff. Workshops, they can sign up for whatever. Discounts on gear, it's all there. Portfolio, blah, blah, blah. Sweet. Well, I will see you in March at WPPI slash The Portrait Masters. I'm excited. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And I know we haven't had a chance to chat. And so this has been a real blessing for me. And uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-day startup challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business, lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.